Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Nate Garrett is a multi-instrumentalist and brainchild behind heavy metal band Spirit Adrift. Beginning in 2015, Spirit Adrift has released four EPs, one split, and four full-length albums. Just three days from the release of this episode, on August 18th, Spirit Adrift will release their fifth full-length album titled Ghost at the Gallows through Century Media Records. Nate Garrett, while also the guitarist, bassist, and vocalist of Spirit Adrift, he also hosts the Big Riff Energy podcast. It is my pleasure to speak with Nate today. Quick shout-out to Looters Public Relations Agency for helping me set up this episode episode. Well, Nate, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. You too, man. Glad to be here. So I had no idea that Spirit Adrift was actually a solo project up until recently. So what made you decide to finally bring permanent members on board? Yeah, it, it happened sort of naturally. Um, I made the first couple of releases. We did a, or I did like a two song EP that was like half an hour worth of music. And then the first full length. And after those came out, I got an email from this guy, Walter, who was in charge of Roadburn Festival at the time. It's in the Netherlands. And especially back then, that was like the number one coolest fest, uh, at least as far as I could tell. Um, and yeah, he asked, you know, do you have a band like we would really love for you to play next year? And I lied to him and I said, yeah, I got a band where we're practicing and it <laughs> sounds killer and all that. Uh, so then I decided to turn it into like a live band and that roadburn performance didn't end up happening but i'm glad that all that occurred because it you know it sort of changed my life over the past uh whatever seven years i guess you've already spoken in the past about being with gate creeper and spirit adrift kind of simultaneously and having to move away from gate creeper you kind of focused on spirit adrift because you realized that both bands were reaching a level of success so i'm guessing that your incorporation of other members happened prior to that split yeah yeah so a lot of people i think get confused on that timeline so i got sober in 2015 which was like a huge deal because i you know i've been running hard for like 15 years uh mm -hmm. so, and, and as soon as that happened i was writing music at which became spirit adrift uh so I recorded the first EP and the first full length, totally solo, played every instrument, did all the vocals. Uh, I think Gate Creeper had already put out their first EP at the time. And I went on a tour with Gate Creeper. I believe it was like their first actual tour, but I was just kind of like the roadie or whatever, like doing merch and stuff. Uh, and shortly after that, they needed a guitar player. Um, and I was friends with all those guys. Chase and I were best buds at the time. So I joined Gate Creeper on guitar. And then when I put a uh, put a live band together for Spirit Adrift, this is like 2016 at this point, uh, Chase ended up playing bass. So we start Spirit Adrift and Gate Creeper. From the beginning of my experience, we were already sharing two members. And then yeah hit it hard we were both bands were touring both bands were recording like constantly uh, and then by 2019 eric from gate creeper was playing guitar for spirit adrift as well so we were sharing three members uh and it was cool for a while but you know at, at a certain point you reach what's called the point of diminishing returns and you know we both bands were like 
turning down tours left and right that were like really, really cool tours and it was getting to be a real drag. And so we were actually in Europe on a spirit of drift tour, confirmed a tour with COC for 2020, a spirit of drift tour. That tour obviously didn't end up happening, but it was at that moment that we were like, man, guys had been talking about it for a while about like, yo, we need to split these bands up. But that's when we, that's when we did the split was September, 2019. And our last show sharing members was decibel metal and beer fest in December of 2019. Uh, and that was like kind of our big farewell, you know, if I get this right, if I get the timelines correct, not only were you starting your journey with sobriety, uh, you were also seeking full-time band members kind of in a rush because you had to make things ready for an a festival yeah and then you're also looking at splitting up with gatekeeper that's a lot of things to do at once well that the split didn't come until 2019 so that that was all good no i was like i was joining gatekeeper like i had just joined gatekeeper and yeah was like less than a year into sobriety and trying to put together a band for spirit adrift uh but really the sobriety thing was the only was the only aspect of that that was like novel to me because I think before 2015 I had played in like 28 different bands and that's yeah that's only counting bands that like played shows toured and or made a recording that was released in in one fashion or another so I was used to like I think there was a point uh when I lived in Arkansas where I was Let's see. I was working like three jobs, two jobs. I don't know if you count weed dealer as a job, then three. Uh, <laughs> but, and then um, playing like in five bands all at the same time. So that was kind of like par for the course. And I feel like in your 20s, you can do that. And I'm 35 now and I look back on it and I'm like, I can't imagine being able to keep up with that now. <laughs> I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> I was going to ask you this a little bit later, but since we're on the topic already, uh, you spoke in a previous interview about, or with Metal Injection about addiction and mental health. You touched on your own experience with addiction and mentioned that part of the reason for the substance abuse was to slow things down and kind of redirect your mental focus as a result of like an overactive mind. So now that you've been able to put yourself in a better and healthier position, what strategies have you implemented in order to redirect that mental energy that was once quite, quite troublesome for you? Man, that's a great question. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it's like a daily, um, what do they call it? I, I have like a, like a whole slew of, of techniques to, to sort of wrangle that, you know, and a lot of it I learned in recovery. I'm in a program of recovery and that's the thing that worked for me, man. I tried all kinds of other stuff before, um, you know, I was self-medicating for a long time, as you said, and I tried to quit on my own many times and it didn't work. And I found a program of recovery that some friends of mine were in and that worked. So I, I learned a lot of stuff from that, uh, you know, sort of trusting, uh, whether you want to call it God or the universe, that's a big part of it. Just, um, any way to turn over your self will, that's very helpful to me. You know, I want to control everything. Uh, and I think turning that over and surrendering to like, fate or the universe or whatever you want to call it. That's a, uh, that's a crucial thing for me. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, meditation is a good way of doing that. Anything to enter a flow state. Um, 
So like really strenuous exercise can do that. Creating can do that, you know, uh, redirecting that overactive imagination and overactive brain and energy into writing songs. I mean, that's a huge reason why spirit adrift exists is that I have to have some kind of creative outlet or I will literally go crazy. <laughs> so yeah, Fair it's, enough. um, it's a whole, there's a word that's escaping me, uh, not a ritual, but every day is like, is a pretty structured attempt at, um, channeling all of that excess of energy into positive stuff. In the past, I used to think that moving away from addictions was more or less just willpower. And like you could have people in your life that could support you, but it was always your decision. Uh, the older I get and the more people that I experience or that I have the experience of knowing with, uh, with addiction issues, I realized that support structures and different techniques are absolutely necessary to overcome these obstacles. While you were struggling with substance use, and you've already identified some of them, say discipline, therapy, and music as three of them, what were some of the other most successful strategies or support systems that you have in place? And who are some of the most important people to you in this chapter of your life? Oh, man, another great question. The word I was looking for earlier is regiment. I'm like very, very regimented and, and like, yeah, redirecting my, my crazy mental energy. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I'm fortunate. I, I've, I'll tell my story to certain people, uh, and they're like, man, I wouldn't have made it through that. Like I've been through some really gnarly shit, uh, at the same time, uh, what family members I do have are crucial, like very, very crucial. Um, you know, any, anybody's going to have issues with family members and friends and stuff like that. But on, on a long-term scale, you know, they've been nothing but supportive of whatever I'm doing. Um, and you know, my wife, I would say is the number one supporter and always has been since I've known her, we've known each other for, uh, 12 years. Uh, we've pretty much been together for 12 years. So she, she met me when I was still drinking and running wild and stuck around and like, there's a very good chance I would be dead if she hadn't been in my life, you know, uh, and we're still together and that's really saying something. Cause I, I was like, I got to be in pretty bad shape, you know? So she's, she's like number one, most crucial supporter. Um, and then, you know, other people, uh, like I said, I'm in a program of recovery. So, uh, meeting uh, particularly musicians, touring musicians who are also in that program. It's been like very, very helpful. Uh, and really touring musicians who aren't in the program too. Like all of my closest friends for the most part are either like actively touring musicians or they did it in the past. Uh, so yeah, man, just friends and family and my wife and my dogs. That's always have a dog around for emotional support, you know? That says a lot about your wife too, especially because she met you in what you could consider like a pretty negative space in your life or time in your life. Rather, 100%. she stuck through all the addiction, all the recovery concerns, and then also supporting you while you're touring, making music and being busy with that whole thing. That's incredible. You said it, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. Uh, we all, all the guys in spirit of drift talk about that a lot. It's like, it ain't easy to find somebody like that. So I'm very grateful. Do you think that you're learning your discipline through martial arts actually helped you implement like a regiment with your life? Yeah. I, it's a major stretch to call me a martial artist, but <laughs> yeah, 
I do. <laughs> I am a fan and I do like half-ass training on my own, uh, sometimes with others, but yeah, you know, I think about that a lot. I, I grew up playing baseball, uh, from like the first year that you're able to do it, you know, first year T-ball, uh, all the way up, like first year high school. Um, and I, I was good, man. And I, I think I, I think I, um, overlooked how much I learned about life and, and like tools that I learned of, uh, having, having an easier time getting through life, you know, um, just struggling physically at an early age. I feel like that's very important and, and not looking at pain and challenges as a negative necessarily looking at it like being trained to look at like physical struggle and mental struggle as more of like a, a mechanism through which to improve yourself or to learn something about yourself or whatever. And yeah, I mean, you could apply that to, to anything in life. It's just like, everyone's going to experience pain and I'm getting into some Eastern type stuff here, but it's like pain is unavoidable, but suffering is optional. Like adding unnecessary suffering to the inevitable pain that you're going to experience, you know, resisting that pain or wishing that that pain wasn't there. It just makes it worse. And yeah, I think, uh, I think physical struggle and uh, yeah, martial arts and like doing something physically difficult, I think is a good way to like toughen yourself in many ways against the inevitable pain of life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff in Buddhism that teaches about that. Of course, like life is suffering essentially, and there are certain ways to avoid it. But I like that you said that it's, it's, there's pain and then there's suffering. And I, I agree with you there suffering is something it's a mindset really if you're going through a rough time in your life or you're you have physical pain mental pain you can deal with that so long as you have the i guess the outlook to just take it as it is and keep moving forward yeah and i've i've always had like a gallows humor you know um i like i said earlier i, I tell my story to some people and they're like how the fuck are you still alive like you know i lost my mother when i was four months old that's how my life started oh man and it, it, it like it didn't let up with that it, it was like gnarly shit through the whole first half of my life and still is a little bit um but like the only way you're gonna make it through that is like with a little bit of self-awareness and like dude if you can laugh at what you're going through you can get through anything you know i agree and actually this brings me to my next line of questioning because i so i wanted to chat about your new album a little bit earlier but we got a little sidetracked <laughs> now the first time i heard you uh spirit adrift was on the enlightened and eternity record and i believe the first song i heard was stronger than your pain and i was hooked ever since so i was glad to see that you had a, a backlog at that point Speaking of your new album, though, Ghost of the Gallows is being released on Friday, August the 18th. So for listeners who are familiar with your music, what did you focus on musically and what in what ways did you want this album to differentiate from your last release? Good question. Um, yeah, I th I'm always just writing, man. I I'm always just, uh, and it starts with a riff. Uh, and uh, the riff has to be really cool. It can't just be like, oh, that's good. It has to get me... Uh, it has to like excite my reptile brain. You know, I can't even, 
if I consciously think I like that riff, but I don't feel some kind of primal charge, then it's not good enough. So every song starts with the riff that really fires me up. Um, and yeah, 2020, I just started writing when the lockdowns happened. I just moved back to Texas. Uh, I think the thing that just sort of naturally differentiates this release is the move back to a more Southern rural lifestyle. Honestly, you know, I grew up in the South, uh, hanging out in the woods, hanging out on country back roads, doing crazy shit and, uh, never really felt super at home in a big city. Uh, so in 2020, we moved just outside of Austin and yeah, just kind of getting back to roots, man. And, uh, wrote songs for like two years, probably wrote and demoed between 20 and 30 original songs. Uh, three of those became forge your future, the EP that we put out in 2021. And then two of those songs came out last year as part of that weird, uh, 20 centuries gone release with the covers and stuff on it. And then the rest of those songs, I just started whittling them down. Uh, and I, I don't think there were, there's ever like too much of a conscious effort of like, this album needs to sound like this, or this album needs to sound like this. Uh, I, I'm just trying to write the best stuff that I can. But I think inevitably, just because I'm always striving to be better and evolve and stuff, the release is all... You know, you can tell it's spirit adrift, but they all bring something a little new to the table. And yeah, with this one, I think it was getting back to roots. Uh, you know, country, old school, what I would call real country music has always been a huge influence. I love that phrase that it's three chords and the truth. Uh, I feel like that really wormed its way into my musical DNA. Um, I grew up before the internet, really. So I would listen to like FM rock radio. So I would hear everything from Credence to Leonard Skinner, uh, Blue Oyster Cult, early Ozzy, Tom Petty. Every once in a while, you might hear like a Metallica song. Uh, so that's that's always been part of my musical DNA. And then getting into the heavy music, it was like Sabbath, Metallica, Slayer, old school metal. That's how I got into it. Um, so I think moving back to an environment that's very similar to how I grew up made those key influences shine through even more in the, in the DNA of this new album. You know, I think it's, uh, and it, it might not be as obvious to listeners sonically, you know, but to me, like internally, it's definitely like the most Southern tinged album that we've made. You've always been vocal about like your musical influences, but I find it interesting that your location is also an influence on your music. Yeah. It's the culture, man. It, um, I, I hated country music at first because I was hearing the stuff like on the radio and on TV. Yeah, the shit. <laughs> yeah, and in the early 2000s, um, the country music that was being peddled, it, it's not country music. It's just really bad pop music with fake Southern accent and a fiddle on it. Um, but I had, a, I had a friend growing up that was like really diehard about it. Uh, and Waylon Jennings was the guy that sold me because his music like his band especially on the 70s stuff it's it's pretty heavy it's like one step away from something like leonard skinner or like an old school hard rock band like the rhythm the drumming particularly in like the rhythm section is pretty rowdy and heavy and it's got a lot of attitude 
and you know, I was getting into Black Flag and stuff like that around the same time, really raw music. And I remember reading an interview with this guy, Jeff Morgan. He plays in the band Wake from Little Rock, R-W-A-K-E. And he was talking about how Hank Williams Sr. is like some of the heaviest stuff ever. If you listen to what he's saying and you feel what he's feeling, it's all about like being hopelessly addicted to drugs and hopelessly heartbroken all the time and so lonely and just such a raw representation of the human condition. And I started figuring out that there wasn't that much difference between what Black Flag was playing and singing and what Hank Williams Sr. was trying to get out there. It's all coming from a really raw place of hurt, you know, and trying to trying to be understood um, and trying to like channel pain through music, you know. And so, yeah, the the location, it, it was really like a cultural thing. Uh, going out in a field with a bonfire and like, everybody's got the same FM radio station on you here in Boston and shit like that. Or then these guys over here, like cranking uh, Merle Haggard or, or whatever, or even like hearing three, six mafia when I was in seventh grade, you know, it was all like, I like the raw stuff, the sincere, you know, I don't like happy music. I, I don't think there's a point to making happy music. I feel like the best art and best music comes from a place of having to deal with something that you're going through, you know? I think it goes back to that uh, that struggle too. Like the, you were talking about physical pain, mental pain earlier. I think music is an outlet for that. And it's also, now I'm blanking on what I was planning on saying. <laughs> That's okay. I lost my train of thought, so I will definitely not. No, no, you're onto something. Yeah, ch channeling physical pain, mental pain, and everything like that. You know, it's, yeah, I, I've just never been drawn to like any bubblegum type of art because I'm like, did you need to make this? Or are you just making it to like, I don't know. I, I just don't relate. I don't relate to like happy-go-lucky stuff. Even like my favorite pop music, there's like pain and darkness in there, you know? Mm -hmm. What I was going to say, and I completely remember now. So <laughs> talking about pain, mental uh, mental wellness, all that kind of stuff. Channeling that those un unhappy or negative feelings through music, it's kind of like drawing attention to what you're going through and it's also kind of looking where you don't want to look for those answers in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, um, I think when you're really, it, it, it's easy to say like, Ooh, I'm plumbing the depths of my soul to make this music or whatever. But are you like you, you know, or at least for me, I know when I'm really like, digging into something that I don't want to because I don't want to. It's like I'll avoid it. And, and a lot of times uh, what I've found with this project is my subconscious mind is expressing itself when I'm not even aware of it. Uh, so our, our Curse of Conception album, there's stuff in there that I was like, this is what I need to deal with from my past and I'm going to put it into this music. But then once it was done, I realized that there was a whole other area of my life, like traumatic stuff that I didn't realize was being put into that music until way later. So I think that's interesting that um, even the stuff that you don't want to address or that's really buried, 
uh, for me at least it may, it gets out somehow, whether I'm aware of it or not. And it kind of goes back to that point you made about, uh, pain and suffering. Like you're willingly forcing this out. And then if you're on the listener's perspective, you're, you're internalizing what the artist is saying. So you can, you can help identify the issues. You can help internalize it. And then kind of like with meditation, you just kind of let, you let life take its path. If you're able to incorporate music into that somehow, either creating it or listening to it and helping that along your journey, helping you along your journey, rather, that's way more beneficial. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to use somewhat broad language when writing lyrics too, because to me, all the best songwriters, uh, you know, every really great songwriter that I've ever heard talk about it, they have sort of determined that it's important when you're writing a song about something that you went through that you don't make it so specific of like, you know, Jane Smith on August 10th, 1965 broke my heart. And then this happened, right? You want to make it, you want to be 100% honest and sincere but use language that's broad and universal enough that anybody that's listening to it can identify with it. And they don't know that you're talking about Jane Smith on August 10th to them. You're talking about the chick that broke their heart, you know? And I, I try to do that with our music too. You know, obviously ours isn't uh, like as straightforward as somebody like Tom Petty or John Prine or, Waylon or somebody like that. Um, but I, I'm talking about real stuff, like very specific real stuff that I'm going through or that I've gone through previously, but I don't want to make it so specific that other people have a hard time relating to it. You know, I want to, I want to reach as many people's hearts and souls as I can. I find that a lot with metal too. As it stands right now, you have yet to announce any further tour plans this year, although you've also been added to the inaugural Metal Injection Fest with Testament, Machine Head, Fear Factory, the live Cavalera set of Morbid Visions and Bestial Devastation, and many more. So were you sought out for the festival? Yeah, I've known Frank from Metal Injection for a really long time. He's a great dude, man. He He's like, I, I would consider him one of us. You know, he's been through a lot, and uh, he he really, like, figures out a way to channel what he's going through into doing cool stuff. He's a great guy. So yeah, he finally put a fest together. Really proud of him for that. I know it's not easy. Uh, and yeah, he wanted us on it and we want to do it. So we're psyched. That'll sort of be our album release show for ghost at the gallows. Uh, yeah. And we're kind of laying low actually. Um, the touring thing is like very weird now. It's a very cutthroat and, there's like a famine mentality because the COVID lockdown screwed everything up so bad. And there's a whole aspect of playing the game there that I, I've just like, I've caught myself being involved in stuff that makes me feel icky trying to force the band onto the road. And I don't want to do that. It's not worth it to me. I really love my life now and I don't feel the need to like run screaming away from my life, which I used to, that was a big motivator for touring. Um, so yeah, we're laying low. I also had like a pretty severe back injury recently. It's been like an ongoing thing, but I, I injured it, uh, pretty seriously actually. And it, you know, I've been doing physical therapy. I've, I've done two tours with this back injury. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to get that a hundred percent straight before we get back out there. But, um, 
dude, I'm always scheming. We're talking to Green Long from the UK. I love that man. We're it turns out we're like big mutual fans of each other. Uh, oh, cool. So we're talking about doing Europe with them. I would also like to get them over here. Um, so I'm going to try to do whatever I can to facilitate that because I really respect that band and love them. I know that High on Fire is putting out a new record soon. Uh, we've done some shows with them, and they're good buds and one of my favorite bands. Uh, so I, I got like, I got stuff I'm working on for sure. Awesome. You are, you just touched on a couple of your favorite bands, Green Lung and High on Fire. So previously in other interviews, you also spoken of your main influences and band that you enjoyed when you were younger. So I'm not going to go through any of that and rehash it. But with that said, which metal bands are you currently listening to on heavy rotation? And who are some other recent or semi-recent bands that you feel are doing something special or unique in the world of metal? Great question, man. Um, so I love Hellas from Sweden. They're awesome. Enforced from Richmond, Virginia. They're on Century Media, label mates. Uh, Green Long, who I mentioned. Uh, Witch Hazel from the UK is really good. Um, who else? Poison Ruin from Philly. They just put a record out on Relapse. That one's good. Cloak from Atlanta, if you like black metal. Uh, Resin from Chicago, R-E-Z-N. They'd be for fans of like maybe Sleep and Elder and maybe even i don't know old mastodon or something um yeah that's all that comes to mind right now i you know my friend arthur uh everything he does is killer eternal champion and uh, sumerlands i believe it's pronounced like sumeria you know i used to always say summerlands but i think it's sumerlands uh, a lot of good texas bands right now too like frozen soul creeping death fugitive um there's duel d-u-e-l from austin uh, Jeff from Duel worked on our new album. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it for now. Oh, my friend Tony and my friend Paul uh, from Cannibal Corpse, they have Heaven's Gate. I went and saw them the other night. They're really good. Yeah, I'll definitely t- check those guys out. There's a few bands in there that I haven't heard of. Cool. Hope you dig that's, them. I'll definitely let you know. Unfortunately, that does bring us to our time. There, I have so many other questions I'd like to ask, <laughs> but I want to be respectful of your schedule and I know how busy it is. So I appreciate you for joining me today. Yeah, I mean, if, if you got more questions, I got I don't have an interview for a little while, actually. Maybe I'll just sneak in a couple more. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. I'll try to be like a little more concise. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I just wanted to ask about your podcasting. So the Big Riff Energy podcast is now yours, and it's only about four or five months old at the time of this recording. Previously, if I'm correct, you were the host of the Rifts and Fists podcast. Yeah, totally. What made you branch out into podcasting and why did you choose to stick to mostly a monologue style episode as opposed to inviting guests during every? Yeah, great question. Um, my, my first podcast actually was like a, I did a call in. This was kind of before people were aware of Zoom. Um, and I interviewed, I was like the first guy to talk to Mike from Yob after his like near fatal, you know, health experience. Uh, and I talked to some cool folks on there. And I had to stop doing it because I just got too busy between the two bands. Um, I've always just been a, a fan of the the art form, I guess you would call it. You know, growing up in the South, I feel like storytelling and really long, drawn-out conversations, it's like a pastime down here. It's like part of the Southern upbringing and the Southern culture, you know, um, Growing up in Oklahoma, me and my friends, there was nothing to do. So we would like listen to music and just hang out and bullshit. Uh, Arkansas, same thing. Like a lot of my favorite 
musical minds are guys I met in Arkansas with just like an encyclopedic knowledge of music and cool stuff. Um, and I actually grew up, you may be familiar with him, maybe not. I grew up watching this guy, Joe Bob Briggs on TV, like on TNT, he had a show called monster vision where he would show really fucked up weird horror movies. And then it would cut to him and he's just sitting there drinking beer, like telling you all these weird little facts about the movie and stuff. Uh, and that show got canceled, but he's back. He came back like five years ago on shutter. Um, and so I think that was like the first time that I saw somebody doing that, just sitting on camera, like making it really cool to be highly educated about something. Um, uh, and not like I was never interested in math and shit like that, but he's highly educated about like weird B movies and horror movies and stuff like that. Um, so I think he, he like planted the seed even before podcasting was a thing. Um, but I stopped doing that, that old podcast and surprisingly a lot of people were asking me when I was going to start doing it again. So I did. And, um, it's been awesome. It's like really created a, uh, one-on-one interactions with spirit of drift fans and like-minded people. And dude, it's, it's really cool. It's like achieving the same goal of the music which is like connecting with people and helping each other get through life you know it's really cool yeah and i think it also adds to the band as well because you're obviously the brainchild behind spirit adrift and so when people see you talking to other other guests or talking about whatever topic you choose it helps them like you said engage with the band but it also creates that connection totally yeah i'm loving it man It, it it's been cool in ways that i didn't anticipate and i love that It's always nice when you have an unexpected outcome that is positive, of course. Absolutely. The only other question I have really for you today is how the hell do you balance your time with all this stuff? Man, it's, it's tricky. I I got a lot of like super major adult responsibilities behind the scenes that people don't even know about too. But, uh, yeah, yeah, man, I, you know, I held down multiple jobs and multiple bands when I was drinking like a liter of wild turkey and, snorting pain pills all day long so now that i'm not doing that it seems pretty easy in comparison to to get a lot done throughout the day you know i don't ever wake up totally debilitated physically and mentally you know i'm just like i stay very regimented about it i'm not fucking around it's not like i'm not happy go lucky about anything i'm like die hard about every single thing that i do Uh, so yeah i just Whatever needs to be done, I do it. You know, I don't put anything off. It seems like such a simple concept, but when you're actually going through it, that can be just that itself can be a struggle. Just getting up and going and doing what needs to be done. Yeah, it, it sure is, man. But uh, I don't know any other way. That's a great note to end on, end on Nate. <laughs> I appreciate you joining me today, and thank you for the chat. Hopefully, I can hook up with you in the future. I'd love to chat with you more. Like, I have so many questions for you. It's unbelievable. Anytime, dude. Yeah, and you can write me an email anytime you want, and I'll. I will read it for sure. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Cool, Jeff. Take care, man. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.